Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the Dells of Bidel. And it's episode 93! Our last one of 2021. Oh my god, the last one of the year. Last one of the year. And happy New Year's Eve, everybody! We hope you have wonderful plans, wherever you are, whether you are isolating, whether you're going out and painting the town red with a big brush. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful ringing in of 2022, and goodbye, horrible 2021. This year, this is our year. Everyone, no, just don't disturb it. No, don't, 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 don't say upset it. Don't it. say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. It's not your year. It's, it's just, we're just going to ease in very very, very quietly. Don't make any sudden movements. You'll scare the year away. <laughs> we're very glad to spend New Year's Eve with you until we're drunk and we don't feel feelings. I, I was going to venture and maybe go out on a limb, but maybe I'll save this for, for next year. But this might be the, the last episode for a few weeks where maybe... I don't drink. <gasps> <laughs> the, I know. Maybe the last one where you don't drink. Yeah, I didn't say that. See, clearly my body is trying to react against this idea. I am toying with the idea of doing dry January. Uh, we have a lot of listeners who don't drink, and so we could do some virgin cocktails. I'm not roping Nick into this. I'm not going to force you. I mean, you're forcing me into this. This is this is a, a challenge now, isn't it? You're expecting an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic cocktail every week based on your ramblings. So I'll like... create the non-alcoholic ones. <laughs> milk and orange juice, lovely, and everything. And I haven't committed yet. I have not decided okay. for sure. <laughs> This could all be wiped out in the edit. So, but if it stays yeah. in... <laughs> it's all nice. But how are you, Nick? Nick, you've not been well. I'm on the mend. I'm on the mend. You're on the so mend. So I have to say a big thanks this week to, to Master Tim, um, who stepped in gallantly and hosted uh, our Patreon episode with the Mission Aid. So thank you very much, Tim. I, just, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I, from the comments I see, it was most excellent. So thank you for, thank you for that. Scintillating episode. Yes, Nick uh, was poorly this week. We, we were not sure whether or not we'd make it to this episode, but then he decided to stop lying and get out of bed. No, he's been very unwell. He hasn't. Had, he don't have COVID. Not not COVID. Not I COVID. I've had. I've had my tests. It's just general winter bugs. Just attack of the vapors. Yes. <laughs> you saw a woman's ankle and fainted, as I do every time. <laughs> Good. You're right. Any poisonings this week? Um, I don't think so. I, well, I or well, me potentially by bugs. Bugs have come for you. 
they have indeed i've been hiding under a duvet for most of the week so i wouldn't know anything about that governor <laughs> and again being sectioned off in your house i suppose because anyone who is ill ever yes. anywhere these days now it's like you have the plague you are infected it's like no it's just a horrible cough let yeah, me just well, cough on you. <laughs> I, I had to self-isolate while I waited for the results of my COVID PCR tests. Was not allowed out of the bedroom for like two days. <laughs> oh, how was it? Was it okay? Did, did 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 you get snacks left at your doorstep? I, I got I got some snacks. I did have some snacks. I sort of scuttled out every now and again when no one was looking <laughs> under a sheet, yes. <laughs> wearing a plague doctor's mask <laughs> to get snacks and scuttle back again. <laughs> just back to your pit. Then you're like, oh, I quite like this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in the kitchen cupboards with a bag. Going, oh, I've had one of those. One of those, one of those. <laughs> you turned into Gollum after two days. Yeah, Precious. that's pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Precious ginger nuts. <laughs> Love it. I'm glad you're on the mend and that you're back with us. Well, speaking of scuttling <laughs> to get bright things and recovering from dreadful illnesses, I think it's time for us to thank our new Patreon subscribers. Yes, indeed. We must. Thank you so much to, to TDJ. And Linda Michael, or it might be Miekel, hope I'm pronouncing that right. But thank you so much. You're very sexy, sexy people. Sexy, sexy Patreon subscribers. We also have a quick shout out this week to Colette Wade, who messaged us a short while ago. Their partner broke their hip really sadly a couple of weeks ago, just before Christmas. And Colette wanted to shout out and say a big thank you to all their friends and family for their support and to the wonderful NHS staff who have given up their time to care for those over Christmas. Colette, we love you. Really loyal fan. We really hope your partner gets better and is of good cheer at this sort of time. And a massive thank you to all of the key workers out there who have supported all of us through the festive period. Yes, thank you. <laughs> this is weird because because Nick is still ill, we are actually recording in isolation uh, this week for a change often we're we're together now but no no, no we decided no i don't yep. want whatever he's got exactly just be on the safe side well nick are you ready mm. to drink cocktails and talk about poison i am indeed or or it's always an or. or there's an always a but with you last one of the year we could drink poison and just talk about cocktails just gab 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 <laughs> not for not for long if we're drinking poison i feel i don't i'm not sure how many cocktails you'll get to talk about if you've just taken a big mouthful of poison. It depends on how much poison. Have we have we taught you nothing on this show? Is that if we just have tiny, <laughs> tiny bits of strychnine, it will give us a nice bit of a jolt. Right, so we should do that every week. And, and terrible, terrible pains. A p- little pick-me-up. Have a little yes. dose of the arsenic to get our build up our immunity, so we'll become immune to all things. Indeed, it would be fitting for this week's episode. But you know what? Let's 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 just hold on to that thought. I think we should, for the end of the year, as this is going out on New Year's Eve, we are going to go with the first one. Go for it, then. Let's do it. Hooray! 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 It's nearly time for a story, but as we've established, we can't. We can't. We can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell that will flavour our cocktail of the week. My story this week, so it's my pick, and I've gone for a double whammy of ingredients. Yeah, yeah. I have chosen coffee and chocolate together at last. Together at last. No one has ever put those two things together before. No, nobody's You're ever a done it. you pioneer, Sinead. <laughs> I am. I was, I was toying with the idea of calling it a mocha. We've, we've had chocolate and we've had coffee. But not together. Not together in the same cup. Just combining the two. Maybe this is how we'll get through all the ingredients problems that we have in the future. We'll just mash them together and just go, yeah, it's that. <laughs> yeah, well, you've started the precedent now. So <laughs> so now we can know. Oh, I know. What, what two things? We, a red art. Let's use that. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a red art. 
art. A love star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, actually, that's, this is amazing. This is great. <laughs> we can go on for another 99 episodes now, so. I was going to say like a crazed Frankenstein, but then there's a little voice in my head going, or just a cocktail maker, Sinead. That's exactly what you do with ingredients. Ah, so <laughs> with coffee and chocolate together. Mm-hmm. What have you come up with, Nick? Oh, it's going to be a good one. Okay. Me coffee and chocolate mm. at Christmas. It's an exciting time. Okay. Why at Christmas? That's where, all the, that's where all the chocolate comes from. The chocolate does come from Christmas, not Easter then. Yeah. <laughs> chocolate is brought by Santa. And he's <laughs> hepped up on coffee as he brings it to you because he's got a lot of houses to do. How visit. else do you think he gets around? <laughs> So he's there downing his espressos. <laughs> so what have you come up with, Nick? Right. So this week we are having a a chocolorita. What? A chocolorita. A ch- chocolorita. Chocolorita. Choc- ah, Choc- oh, chocolorita. Oh, chocolorita. Oh, like a like a like a chocolate like a chocolate margarita like a re- like. Re- oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know what it was called. I have no prior knowledge of this. And I'm like, chocolate. Oh my God, they mash the two words together, Nick. It's a week of mashing the, things. Yeah, you mash the ingredients together. I shall mash a cocktail together. <laughs> okay. Oh, I don't know how to feel about this. Not sure how to feel about that. I'm, I'm worried. Chocolarita, though. It's quite good. As Nick is unwell and he is in isolation, he has sent me, had me, had delivered a bottle of secret ingredients for me to mix up. So, without further ado, I think it's time for us to go into our isolation kitchen, scuttle, 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 and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Eh, chocolarita. 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 La, 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 la. It seems like very festive <laughs> summery, I don't know, drink for, for, for the dead of winter. But as you said, chocolate and coffee together. Mm. Wow. I'm, I'm afraid. Why are you afraid? Well, I love the idea of chocolate and coffee. Yes. And yes. if it's got the Rita to it, I'm thinking margarita, so it have tequila yep. in it. But lime, there's those limey, chocolatey things you get. See, and... I think this is, I think this is a good combination. A lot of sort of chocolate and tequila and sort of Mexican lime and Mexican food. Yeah, oh, like mole kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You got a lot of cocoa and stuff like that oh. um, in Mexico. So I think, it's, <laughs> I think this is the, has the potential for a, an award-winning beverage. <laughs> What award winning? Bloody hell, we're handing out awards now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, obviously, I had to make uh, mine in my own isolation kitchen. I, I did the suggested dusting of chocolate powder. Oh, well done. I couldn't be asked for that. No, I did. And then I was like, should I use cacao? Because I've got cacao, but cacao is very bitter. Yeah. And, and, and then I got a tub of Green and Black's drinking chocolate, which is slightly granular. And that's now around the rim. <laughs> Not sure that's going to be any better, to be honest. I know. Well, it's it's it tastes nice, like, but it's crunchy. <laughs> which is what you wanted a drink. Absolutely. You want some crunch. It's very amber, very golden-y. Yep. Mm, I'm excited. Okay. I think we're just going to dive in and give, so this a go. give it so, a go. So, uh, Merry New Year's Eve. Merry right? New Year's. Oh, okay. Ah. Mm. Well, that's not what I was expecting at all. No. Ooh. I was expecting a real onslaught of chocolatey coffee and then loads of lime and sugariness through it i am thinking of those boiled sweets that you get which are just too much <laughs> i'm not getting much in the way of coffee or chocolate at all in that i'm getting a little hint of it although it could be my dull senses at the moment so um. <laughs> well 
I looked at the quantities that you sent over as well. They're very small because normally if you make, well, if you're making margarita, you'd have a load of triple sec in there. You'd have the orange liqueur. And if you're making anything with coffee and chocolate, then the coffee liqueur you use is quite hefty but it was a tiny amount yeah it's like quarters and thirds and things yeah so, really really small I, I, I think it's perfectly pleasant i might experiment with this one because i think it upping the, the chocolate especially i think could be interesting talk us through it nick what's in this one so this one we have obviously tequila surprisingly Wait. um we have some cacao syrup some cacao mm. liqueur some coffee liqueur we have lime juice and we have a dash of sugar as well the tequila is the, by far the the largest of the quantities um, yes. in there um, and the others are in relatively small quantities so i'm really not tasting the chocolate or the coffee but so this this could be symptomatic of my unwellness if you're getting that and i'm really not but that could be explaining it i think it's a very subtle taste and i think it's exactly what it needs but definitely try it when you're topping your bill of health <laughs> when i when i have my senses back <laughs> When you have to, yes, absolutely, for experimentation's purposes. It's very subtle. It is that really lovely just trace of chocolatiness and the coffee together as a coffee liqueur. You wouldn't want much more coffee in there because it would just ruin it because they'd be like, what the hell am I drinking? No, it just gives it that, well, I guess it's the same as you said in Mexican cooking, that little hint of the chocolate a richness that's exactly it so a little bit of that flavor through i think it is really nice and with lime and tequila yeah it's a i'm very impressed by the twist on that and that is a very good new year's eve cocktail i think because it'll get you drunk very quickly because there's a lot of tequila in there it'll get you fucked (laughs) (laughs) that's what everyone wants on new year's one way or another if you can get by this time if you've got any creme de cacao i do have a whole bottle of the of the dark creme de cacao which i bought at the start of doing this podcast thinking (laughs) there will be many a chocolatey cocktail and then we i think we did a row of three and then never did one again (laughs) well you say that because i had the cacao blog and I've you completely did. run out. So I've obviously used an awful lot of that because uh, I thought I had some left, but um, I completely run out. We did use quite a bit in the early days. We went through a sort of a run of, of, of hints of chocolate and things. And, and I've only ever had cacao-based cocktails at yours since we've been trying them for the podcast. That whole bottle of cacao, I'm really pleased now I have a, <laughs> a use for that because I will make that again. Good. Absolutely. Good, that good, is good. a lovely, lovely treat for anyone, if what for entertaining or for crying in your pyjamas on the sofa. Yay! <laughs> a resounding success, Nick. Hurrah. What award shall be given? I shall think of something. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. You, your nose sounds really blocked. I know. I, I, can, I, I'm I can listen. I can hear myself through the headphones. I think, I sound dreadful. <laughs> you sound like me 50% of the time when I've got my allergies oh, up. This is true. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some of the chocolate weird stuff that I put on the side. Yeah. It's melted. <laughs> it's, it's formed a paste. Nice. Oh, what everyone wants in their cocktails, a nice paste. <laughs> Around the rim. <laughs> a nice pasty rim. That's what everyone loves. I mean, it tastes nice. It tastes of chocolate. That's <laughs> weird. Drinking a snack, this is odd. <laughs> this is not a dignified way. No, I can just see Shade to... licking a glass through down Zoom. It's very disturbing. <laughs> exactly. How else are you going to spend your New Year's Eve, Nick? How else? <laughs> well, with our chocolaritas firmly in hand, la 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 la, dancing towards 2022, are you ready for a story, Nick? Yes, indeed. I have my sombrero. <laughs> and I'm expecting you to take me on a Mexican adventure now. Uh, it's not a Mexican adventure, Ooh. but it's a good one. Okay. It's one that that's so good that I had to seriously go back and look at all the episodes we've done and going, we definitely haven't done this, have we? <laughs> but we are going to head off to the to 1857, a truly sensational murder case and trial that took place in Glasgow. Oh. 
Glasgow. And this is a proper tale of scandal. We nice. have secret affairs. Nice. We have mischievous missives. <laughs> okay. We have sex. Nice. We have blackmail. Excellent. And we have plenty of poisony goodness. Nice. Da-da-da. Back to the roots. Back to the roots as we ring in the new year. This is the scandal revolving around the beautiful, beguiling Madeline Smith. Mm. Does the name ring a bell? No. Oh, you shan't soon forget it after this tale, Nick. I'm sure not. Because I'll yell at you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I don't like to hand out empty threats, you know. So Madeline Smith was born in 1835, the eldest of five children from a very well-to-do family in the fancy part of Glasgow. Glasgow. Wellington Place was the family home. Her father was an architect. Her mother was the daughter of an architect. She had buildings in her blood, so she did. (laughs) Now, this being a well-to-do family, uh, Madeline's job is to be brought up as a proper young lady. Quite right. Yes, upper class this is. And this is a time very much of class division. She is going to accompany her parents in her youth to the finest of balls and gatherings and social events. When she reaches her teenage years, she attends Mrs. Alice Gordon's Academy for Young Ladies in London. excellent. Marvellous place. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming she's a relative. No. Oh, no, you're you. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Alice Gordon's Academy for Young Ladies. Is it just you who did be time travelled? <laughs> it's me in a fantastic frock and a very fancy lacy umbrella. <laughs> Running down a massive staircase. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Every time the doorbell rings, I'll get it! <laughs> We've come here to become young ladies. We're frightened now. <laughs> Yeah, Alice Gordon's Nick's great, 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 great grand aunt. I feel she's an aunt rather uh, yeah, than a grandmother. She absolutely should be an aunt, most definitely. She's an eccentric Probably aunt. Probably a, yeah. a maiden aunt, I imagine. Indeed. Educating young ladies about how to marry and being bitter at night for every day. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Never having felt the touch of a man. <laughs> telling the ladies how to do it all. <laughs> this is what I read in books. This is a deeply disturbing school. But she goes, uh, she's to learn the essentials, uh, such as manners at the table, right. how to conduct herself in society, the obvious walking exercises, walking as exercise, preambulation, you know, you need to learn how to walk as a lady. Quiet. How to exchange pleasantries with the public. You said there, are, there is an etiquette about it. There's no discussing one's personal life. None. Just genteel talk about the weather and such. Proper dress. The many, many layers of drawers and stockings and petticoats and chemises and basically barbed wire to help prevent a man seeing any <laughs> hint of an ankle. Never. And ladies would obviously do crafts such as letter writing and tatting. You know what tatting is? Tatting. I oh, know. I'm not familiar with it. It's needlework. Tatting. Yes. Oh. I, I had to look it up. I wonder where that comes from. I don't know. I, I looked it up very briefly going, oh, I must learn what that is. And it's needlework. So it's, it's the fine pointed of embroidery and needlework. Embroidery. So, yes. Oh. Well, not really embroidery. I think it is making like, um, God, like doilies is the only thing I can <laughs> describe that's it la- as. That's lace work, isn't it? I don't know. Well, a non-lace version of a doily. <laughs> I may be lying through all of this. I, I, I imagine mean, so. I my... imagine so. My my exploration and research into this was minimal at best. It wasn't essential to the story. I, th- I, th- I think perhaps research is overrating it slightly. Yes. Googled <laughs> once, looked, yes, that's fine. Saw a picture. <laughs> I might have spelt it wrong for all we know. It was actually tattooing that they learned. And I was like, yes, it's very fine needlework you do on the arm. 
But anyway, essential, essential stuff for a young lady. And Madeline returns to Scotland in 1853. She's 18 at this stage. And now the family are ready to present her as fit for a marriage match. She would be highly, highly sought after given mm. her family's prominence and success and that she is a member of high society, a socialite. But Madeline, certainly beautiful and seemingly a proper young lady, she is more spirited than her parents would have liked. She's not married to the idea of marriage. She is a romantic, they say. You would have thought the school would have beaten that out of her. Well, there's no beatings. There's just gentle negging, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to hit them. Are they? I suppose they hit them with rulers if they're not standing rulers up straight. Rulers and books and throw apples at them and <laughs> stab them with needles and things. Again, what kind of school have you created in your head, Nick? Oh, we have, to, we have to break their spirit. It's not like the Handmaid's <laughs> break Tale. Break them down and build them up again in your, your in Aunt Gordon's image. <laughs> I'm really now sensing that this was an ancestor's school. <laughs> Nick knows far too much about it. He'll publish a book in 50 years. Yeah, absolutely. The family records go back far. Well, yes, this, this traumatic treatment she's received in London and how to use her knife and fork has left her as a romantic. Yes. She was after someone special and she would meet that person in 1855. A man named, get ready for this, Emile mm. L'Angelais. Mm. Well, he's not Scottish, is he? No. No, he's not. Now, Emile was very much not of her social circle. Again, he is the eldest of five of a family of seed merchants from the Channel Islands. Oh. Oh, yes. Okay, mm. fair enough. The family business was catered to French speakers and natives of the island, but Emile's mm. father decided he wanted to branch out the business and it would be good if Emile were to both learn English and to cater for more British clientele so he gets an apprenticeship in a nursery that serves British customers. So his father... to Glasgow, that's quite a trek. He doesn't send him to Glasgow Chan- immediately. Oh, okay. I was say, yeah. <laughs> so you're on the Channel Islands. He doesn't just go, Glasgow, that's where the British... Are. Scottish are all going, no, you, what? <laughs> there's, a, like a, there's like a nursery on the island that sells to British clientele. Okay, but you thought if you want to go to Britain, there's there's closer places to get to than Glasgow from Give, the Channel Islands. Let me tell the rest of the goddamn story. Oh, He's fine. not been get sent to it, Glasgow yet. It. He's still on the Channel Islands. He, at end of his apprenticeship, at the bloody end of his apprenticeship on the Channel Islands, he is offered a job in Edinburgh by Sir Francis Mackenzie, who was a customer of that nursery who invited him to come and work on his estate and learn all about Scottish plants. Ah, ha, ha. See? See, there's a logic to all of this. Was there? Yes. They'd learned enough about Channel Island plants and British plants from hearsay. He is to learn about the ways of the Scottish plant. The Scottish plants. (laughs) Those elusive Scottish plants. All those haggis trees. (laughs) (laughs) They hunt them down. But yeah, great gig. So Emil went straight over age 19 worked on this estate, built up contacts in the area. But just over a year later, oh, Sir Francis died. Mm. Uh, Emile was stranded in Scotland at first. He didn't have any money to get home. But his hard work and dedication to the plants of Scotland paid off. And he was able to get good work at different nurseries around the country and even did stints back on the Channel Islands and in France. So so he was able to to keep learning and keep working. You know, he's um, he's getting a good career. I should point out nurseries. I, I think this is the same in America, but nurseries are plant shops or plant farms that's what we call them in england they're not just kids schools 
Yeah, I hadn't put that. Yes. <laughs> so. Do you not? Oh, yeah, that really confused me the first time I heard it because it took me. I was I was well into old adulthood before I realised that nursery is another word for a plant farm or shop or business. Well, you had the staff go and get them before that. So yes, it did. It did. Yes. <laughs> I was too busy trying to escape the clutches of Aunt Gordon in her finishing school in London. <laughs> I had enough problems on my plate, mate. In 1852, he came to Glasgow and spent a couple of years working in the area as a warehouse clerk. And it was while he was in Glasgow that, of course, his eyes fell upon the beautiful Madeline Smith. Across a shrub. Across a shrub. He was just walking a shrub down the road. <laughs> Spied her through some strawberries. We don't know when he first saw her, actually, really. We can, we can imagine. I think we've discovered, discovered, I think we've just discovered that one. <laughs> he spied her across a spider plant. Peered through a monstera. But we do know that in order to actually speak to her, he would need a formal introduction. That had to be done through a mutual acquaintance of him and Madeline. That was the style at the time. So you've got to find someone that knows Madeline well enough and knows him that they can make a formal introduction because of the class divide, but also because of etiquette of a man talking to a lady. You can't just run up to her and go, all right, love, fancy a pint. (laughs) No, I think that's generally frowned upon. But it happened. (laughs) It didn't. (laughs) So it took him a good few weeks to find someone that knew her and him well enough so this is possibly him running up and down the streets of glasgow going do you know madeline smith do you know madeline smith please somebody anyone and forging a friendship i'm impressed that he managed to find someone who was friends with both of them well yes that's (laughs) that's that in that day and age i think i'm sure someone who bridged those divides was quite rare probably found someone that knew her it was of good social standing and then he formed a friendship or and made sure to get to know that person and was probably begging them and finding any Buying reason. plants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bringing them the finest of cacti. But meet they did in 1855 and the attraction between them was instant. <gasps> she was 20, beautiful, elegant. He was 29 and French, basically. That is what most of the reports of this story go with. They don't describe a meal at all. They just go, he was French, as if that is code word for very, very sexy. <laughs> so, yeah, he could have had one leg shorter than the other, three fingers of one hand and buttocks for a face. But he was apparently the sexiest man ever in Scotland. Now, a meal, though, of a lower class to her... And it was not at all permitted for classes to mix socially at this time, especially not a young lady who was unattached. He was a distraction for Madeline, a welcome change from all of the high society tedium, always being prim and proper and genteel conversation. No, Emile was mysterious, foreign, but also a little bit of the rough she was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) So the pair soon began to write to each other, with Madeline scribing, I do not feel as if I were writing to you for the first time. We have become as familiar friends. May we long continue so. Well, I mean, how very, very saucy. Yeah, that's the upper class equivalent of doing like the sex symbol on your hands, you know, (laughs) (laughs) doing some lewd gesture like. This would be the first of many letters between them. Madeline and Emile wrote frequently and passionately to each other, professing their affections for one another and arranging for times for them to meet in secret. (gasps) Scandalous. Scandalous. They would meet in the street, sometimes by Smith's window. Not very secret. Outside Smith's is not that secret, I feel. Not WH Smith's. Is that what Why you not? thought I said? I thought you said Smith's window. Because her surname is Madeline Smith. They didn't oh, meet right. a I WH thought you said Smith's. <laughs> I thought outside the newsagents or something. <laughs> they were going and buying stamps and just like, oh, saucy eyes. <laughs> well, they, well, they did meet in the street and they did meet in shops because well, there we go. she could go and, you know, they could go and meet and, and be seen in public and whisper to each other, coyly observing the etiquette of the time while positively burning with desire under their bodices and waistcoats. 
It's getting hot, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Now, Madeline's father did catch wind of this friendship of theirs. So, as you said, maybe their public meetings weren't as secret or as appropriate as they should be. I don't think they were <laughs> snogging in public or anything. But certainly, <laughs> Madeline's father told her, you need to break off this friendship immediately. You are to be married to an appropriate person. This is not the done thing. It's not right or proper for a lady of your standing to be consorting with a lowly commoner. No, no, no. Quite right. Quite right. A Frenchman at that. So poor Madeline wrote to Emile of the news and said reluctantly that they had to stop seeing each other but Emile's fervour for his beloved could not be quelled and he begged her to see him again in secret seeding <laughs> <It's> up <laughs> this time he arranged for them to meet at the house of a friend of his Mrs <gasps> Mary Perry mm-hmm. oh no that, that's, that's, that's going to go wrong Madeline was powerless to resist him Nick <laughs> They met there and they continued to meet in secret and write to each other. And it was not long before Madeline gave herself to him completely. <laughs> Both ankles. <laughs> Couldn't say anything else, but go for it. I mean, it took him half an hour to work through all the laces and, ch- and chemises and drawers. And oh God, this is worse. So many bows. <laughs> but yes, their romance turned physical. We really must turn this into some sort of bodice ripping penny dreadful on Amazon. I actually think we could make millions here because I'm getting, oh my Let's goodness. Do it. <laughs> I'm glad you are. I'm really <laughs> You're cold inside, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> the affair went on. I don't need to tell you how scandalous this would have been if it got out. It absolutely would have been the gossip of the decade. A woman of Madeline standing, her family reputation, having a sexual liaison unmarried with a man of a lower with class. With a florist. With a, <laughs> with a florist indeed. <laughs> with a plant expert. <laughs> but Emile and Madeline promised to keep their letters to each other secret. They would say at different times, you must burn your copies of the letters so no one ever finds out about them. No evidence of their love could be discovered. And during this relationship, they even agreed to marry in the coming months. Mm-hmm. So an engagement was made. But Madeline's parents, over the course of this relationship, over months this is, oblivious to all the shagging that they're daughter was doing literally behind their backs uh it literally they used to meet at her house after dark when everyone was asleep and, and go at well, it that's bold well the heavy sleepers and it's a big house as well there's many wings there's the designated shagging <laughs> wing discreet shagging rooms yes yes that's the kind of wing as well that the housekeeper goes you must never go in there no one speaks of the shagging wing <laughs> with really really heavy drapes to muffle the sound <laughs> yes. she has a big key and go only i may go in there seven times a day <laughs> we do not speak of that wing yes anyway but the parents, yes, as I said, oblivious to the to the shenanigans of the shagging wing, had arranged a very suitable match for Madeline. Because they don't know what's going on. Their job is to find her a husband. Quite right. A man named William Harper Minnock. He's in his thirties, uh, a neighbour of theirs, a very well-off merchant. And they set him up. He is the man who will propose for Madeline. Perfect match. They invite him to stay at their summer home in Clyde in 1856. And William woos Madeline during his stay and her stay with the family. She has to go. And she is impressed by William. Madeline has obviously been deeply attracted to Emile and carried on this liaison for quite a while. But their liaison can't last. Things between them had maybe started to run out of steam or maybe the the shine and the excitement had started to go from Madeline's perspective and she's clearly not so stupid to think that her family would dream of supporting her should she run off with a common warehouse clock. Madeline has perhaps now 
come to her senses, knowing that she's got to do the right and proper thing if she ever wants to show her face in society again, or at least do the right thing that will guarantee her wads of cash. So when Minnick proposes to her in January 1857, Madeline accepts. And she writes the difficult letter to Emile, which reads, It's not as saucy as the previous ones. As there is a coolness on both sides, our engagement had better be broken. Altogether, I think that we had better, for the future, consider ourselves as strangers. I trust your honour as a gentleman that you will not reveal anything that may have passed between us. I I shall feel obliged by your bringing me my letters and likeness on Thursday evening at seven. Be at the area gate and the housemaid will take the parcel from you on Friday night. I shall send you all your letters, likenesses, etc. P.S. You may be astonished by this sudden change, but for some time back you must have noticed a coolness in my notes. My love for you has ceased, and that is why I was so cool. I did once love you truly, fondly, but for some time back I have lost much of that love. (laughs) There is no other reason for my conduct, and I think it but fair to let you know this. I might have gone on and become your wife... But I could not have loved you as I ought. I know you will never injure the character of one you so fondly loved. No. bitch. No, Emile. I know you have honour and are a gentleman. What has passed you will not mention. I know when I ask you that you will comply. Oh, she can fuck off. (laughs) I should have done all of that in a brilliant Scottish accent, but I, 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 I think it would have gone very, very south very, very quickly. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
So a bit out of the blue. Now, come on, mm. a woman is entitled to change her mind. Yes. Yes, she is. But not in the 1850s. (laughs) She was entitled to change her mind in the 1850s, but definitely not the style at the time, especially when you've been conducting a highly scandalous physical relationship with a man and then you're basically going, I've gone off you. Can you just send back all your letters? And I I know you're not going to tell anyone, right? Right, 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 right. Emile did not turn up at the allotted time suggested to return her letters no nor did he ever return her letters when she wrote to him again demanding to know if he was in fact going to return her letters as she had asked he demanded in turn to know if she was engaged to another man which she had failed to mention and madeline denied this and again insisted on him giving back the letters no, Emile writes in so many words. He didn't just write that. <laughs> you can go, no, 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 no. Emile says that he will not only keep her letters, but he's going to show them to her father. Mm. <sighs> it's possible that Emile had hoped to keep Madeline for himself and that he, with the letters, could blackmail her into a marriage. Her pleading letters did not move him. So they're now at this stalemate. It's a very messy situation of her being very cold and cutting him off and going, yes, okay, this is all over and cheerio. And him going, no, absolutely not. I'm keeping the letters, going to show them to your dad unless you agree to meet me. And Emile is probably very much in love with Madeline and is just a little bit, I thought we were going to run away together and everything would be all lovely and happily ever after. This is why you don't have secret affairs in the 1850s is, people get she, the wrong idea she's also lying to him and saying there's no one else not at all yes this is this is not because actually i want great big piles of cash she could have said look i have to marry someone else yes. you know that this is the score and i've got great affection for you but this you know that would be very barbara cartland if she did that because <laughs> then he'd ride in on a horse and stop the wedding and all of that <laughs> doesn't even have a horse so he'd ride on some plants But no, she has lied and she says, no, 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 it's not that I'm married to another man. She just wants Emile now out of the picture. But she keeps writing to him, insisting, give me back the letters. No, he says, no. Eventually she agrees to meet him. On the 17th of February, Emile told his friend, Mrs. Parry, that he was going to meet Madeline in two days' time. On the night of that suggested meeting, he had apparently taken place. Emile started suffering quite bad stomach pains. Mm -hmm. On the 21st of February, Madeline made a little trip to her local druggist. (gasps) I thought this was going to go the other way. Mm. She was in need of something. Was she? She needs something to kill rats. (laughs) What on earth could she get, Nick, that could kill rats? Oh, Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I can't I can't think of anything. Nothing leaps to mind. I must have Nothing leaps to mind. Oh, no. there's one thing, isn't there? That's Is there? that thing. Arsenic! Arsenic alarm! Arsenic alarm! Arsenic alarm! We're ending the year with a great big arsenic alarm. <laughs> yes. She buys some arsenic. She signs her name in the poison book. And she goes on her way with just a couple of grains. Very small quantity. A few days later, Emile was again hit by terrible stomach pains that his landlady and his friends noticed. Again, after having been out, allegedly, to see Madeline. (gasps) Madeline, Madeline, Madeline. Madeline. On the 6th of March, Madeline was back at the druggist, in need of more arsenic. Huge rats they were. Huge rats. On the 9th of March, Emile was having tea with Mrs Perry. And she later reported him as saying, I cannot think why I was so unwell after getting that coffee and chocolate from her. (laughs) Hey! 
There it is. <laughs> there it is. Her apparently being Madeline, but the the later reports of this is that it's genuinely like a cocoa with with coffee in it. So it's like a mocha. Mocha. Fair yes, enough. He, he didn't like it, apparently. It was gritty. <laughs> <laughs> but coffee and chocolate together. Ha <laughs> ha. Nice. Emile told Perry at the same meeting that he was so in love with Madeline that, in quotes, if she were to poison me, I would forgive her. <gasps> oh, that's hmm. sad. And when asked why would Madeline poison him, he said, I don't know that. Perhaps she might not be sorry to be rid of me. Oh, feel sorry for a dear old meal. It's in love with somebody he can't have. <laughs> it's no. very sad. Very sad. On the 17th of March, Madeline made a third and final purchase of arsenic from her druggist. And on the 22nd of March, Emil returned to his home in Glasgow early from a vacation he'd been taking in Stirling. Having been sent a letter calling him back, he explained to his landlady he had been called back by a letter, didn't say who it was from, but he rushed back pretty quickly and told his landlady to leave a key, he'd be out late. Mm. So that... It's probably the written version of a booty call, yeah. let's just say. Around 2am on the 23rd of March, Emile returned home and had doubled up in agony on the doorstep. His landlady came to his aid, put him to bed and called the doctor. The doctor visits around three times between 5am and 11am. And as all doctors have been in every single episode that we've done, is very, very helpful. <laughs> First, he gives him laudanum water and a poultice. Nice. Not sure where the poultice goes or what it's for, just vaguely on the face. There we are. He comes back to look at him like, ah, he's sleeping. Fine. Then he comes back to look at him and goes, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> Perhaps he wasn't sleeping after all. <laughs> no, it's, maybe he just left. He came back at like nine, checked him and sleeping and then went back to his death. Went, huh, probably should have taken a pulse or something, actually. I better go back and double check. The landlady thought he was asleep and oh. was standing up like, yeah, no, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, draw the curtains. Oh, shit. But yes, Emile is gone. Oh, boo. Boo. Poor Emile. Poor, hard-working Emile who was trying to make his way in the world with his plants as his only friends. But in his pocket was the letter that had called him home. And it is indeed from Madeline. Mm. And it is not long before Madeline's letters are found hidden in his room. All of the correspondence they've had between each other. Now, news of Emile's death has obviously spread and news of the letters would spread like wildfire very, very Good. quickly. I'm glad. In the days that followed, obviously whispers are now circulating. This man is found and this lady, Madeline Smith, who is known to everyone, she has been writing to him. While these searches are carried out, Madeline disappears. Her family and her new fiancé discover that she has vanished around the 26th of March, can't find any trace of her. So... They form a search party. They're searching the entire estates and her new fiancé and her brother decide that she may have headed out to the summer home in Clyde where they had done their wooing before. They head out there on the train, go aboard a steamer boat and they find her on the boat among the crowds. And she's quite calm but distant. And when Minnick asks her, why has she run? What's going on? She only said that she had been afraid that her parents would be angry when they found out what she had done. Now, she was afraid that they would be angry that she'd been shagging this working-class lad, not that she had killed him. That's what she was worried about. You think? Yes. Probably. <laughs> Madeline was brought back to Glasgow, and as rumours of Emile's death swirled, on the, tw on the 31st of March, she was arrested for his murder. 
The police surmise this man has obviously died an unnatural death. They send off a toxicology report and they have all these letters between them. This is evidence enough that something untoward has been going on here. Something taint right. Oh, indeed. Now, when interviewed, Madeline admitted to the authorities that she had been in a relationship with Emil. They had written to each other. It was secretive. They had been lovers. But she denied giving him any arsenic and she said she had not seen him for at least three weeks. Lies. She said that she had bought the arsenic from the druggist, three supplies of it, but she hadn't used it to kill rats. She bought it as a facial wash. Okay. As was the style at the to time. To re-lovelify her face. To re-lovelify her face and arms, apparently. But she said she lied about its use because she was self-conscious in front of the druggist about using it for her complexion. It's feasible that that is true because nice. women are... Well, you buy the arsenic and then you're supposed yes. to use it to re-lovelify your complexion if you're covered Cheating. in spots and stuff. <laughs> you're just like, nope, nope, nope. She used it to kill her lover. <laughs> As you can imagine, the trial is huge for the country, really. What a scandal, what juicy, juicy gossip. Madeline, this beautiful young woman of fine standing, would stand accused of murder. The trial had to take place in Edinburgh, such was the fury around it in Glasgow. That didn't stop crowds assembling every day and night to get a look at her arriving and departing. Madeline did sit in court, very quiet, refined, didn't really show any emotion. She wouldn't be able to speak in her own defence, as was the style at the time. Quite right. The family had, as you can imagine, assembled a crack legal team to defend her. It doesn't look good, obviously. The toxicology reports show that Emile has indeed died from massive amounts of arsenic poisoning. (laughs) Definitely enough arsenic in his system to kill him. And all of her letters to him are included as evidence. But as I said, Madeleine has a very, very good legal team behind her. They had the druggist take the stand and to testify that they, like other druggists of the time, purposefully coloured their arsenic to avoid people accidentally or covertly slipping the poison into food and drinks or to mistake it as sugar or salt because it's a white powder. So at the time, uh, arsenic could be coloured purple when you sold it in the druggist shops. You've not come across this before, mm. but it's it happened. They argued that it would be impossible for Emil not to notice this coloured substance, even if it was slipped into drink or, or food. Surely he would have been able to tell what the colour was. Not in a coffee. <laughs> they attested to arsenic's use as a cosmetic. The druggist said, yes, absolutely, people do buy it. They don't always say what it's for, but it can be used to re-lovelify your face. It says so on the bottle. Madeline's sister swears that Madeline had never left her bed that night of the crime. How she knows that, we don't know. Emile's own valet said that his employer had been very depressed and had talked about suicide more than once. Well, he can't have been that poor if he's got his own valet. He's certainly more than a working class lad then if he's got a valet. He's probably not, well, he's sort of working middle class, I guess he'd probably be. He, he can afford stuff, but he's never going to be seen by as high society by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. They also said that no one could prove that Madeline was lying when she said she had not seen Emile for at least three weeks before his death. That was the crucial point. No one could say that that was false. They couldn't prove that she had seen him. And... They also said Emile appeared to have been ill with stomach veins before Madeline's first recorded purchase of the arsenic. All these little details. The letters, they also said, were not dated. How can they know when their liaison began and ended? After nine days of battling in the court, with the defence demonstrating that Madeline had motive, the jury deliberated for just 30 minutes. 
and reached a verdict of not proven. <gasps> that is to say, they didn't say that she was innocent, yeah. but they could not... It's a uniquely Scottish thing, but not it proven. It is. It's not enough evidence. There's not enough proof that has been presented to secure a conviction. So Madeleine walked free. The papers, you can imagine, were divided on the verdict, some calling her a woman of strong passions and libidinous tendencies, others saying that she had been the victim seduced by a reptile. Madeleine had to leave Glasgow and leave Scotland entirely, the scandal around the case being too much for her. She went on to London, Minnock having withdrawn his proposal very, very quickly. I can imagine this. She went on to marry the business manager of William Morris, the designer. In 1861, she married him. She eventually separated from him and was then said to have moved to New York, where she died under a different name. Others would say she went to Australia. Others say she even went to France. The exact whereabouts of her at the end of her life is not known. Mm. We do know her father died in 1863, completely broken by the whole scandal that had surrounded his daughter. So what happened to Emile? We will never know. Oh, we know. Did he kill himself? No. Or had Madeline gotten lucky administering arsenic in little doses over time in coffee and chocolate to do away with her troublesome lover? It was her. It was all her. Da-da-da. Well, that is the story of Madeline Smith. Scandal in Scotland. Oh, dreadful. Dreadful woman. <laughs> yeah. So you're firmly on the side Absolutely. that she did it. She did it. Oh, yeah, so am I. I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah, she did it. And she got away with it because she had cash. Yeah, pretty she much. She had daddy's money behind her. So she thought she could do what she liked. And she was proved right. There were lots of arguments and loads of people studied this case over the years. It's reported in every kind of account that you get about Madeline Smith. People comment that it was really explored its minutiae. Not that there was much that you could really pour more into. But people explored the idea that did Emile kill himself? Certainly he was miserable and very depressed because, you know, the love of his life was shunning him and he was trying to blackmail her to stay. But there wasn't any explanation as to where he had gotten the arsenic from. There was no arsenic, I think, in the house. He had not bought any. It didn't make sense that her purchase of the arsenic coincided with all of the stomach pains and the the illness he was experiencing. It just didn't stack up. Madeline, it was more than likely had probably gotten some arsenic from the house where she lived and first tested it on him before going out and buying arsenic and then just slowly, slowly, slowly administering these doses of arsenic to to kill him and to get rid of him. Bad form, I say. Stood in the way of her future and her happiness. Of her future cash. Her future cash. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her happiness is very much bound (laughs) up in the cash. Happiness is, yeah, very much dependent on having the cash. So yeah, or you, did you think halfway through that Emile was going to kill her? I, yes, I very, at the beginning of that, I thought, oh, Emile's going to fly into some sort of jealous rage um, and kill too easy and kill her. But then you flipped it on me. I flipped it you on you, bitches. All these high society socialites yes, are doing what they like, murdering willy nilly. <laughs> it's nice to have a proper scandal, though. Lots of sex and saucy letters. Sex and cyanide and all that sauciness. <laughs> 
Lots of S's. For... S's and Z's. <laughs> S's and Z's and C's as well. C's, yes. <laughs> for Scotland. Yay! <laughs> so there you go. What do you think, people? Do you know the story of Madeline Smith? Do you have any other theories about what might have happened? I think it's pretty goddamn mm. cut and dry in this day and age, <laughs> but a really, really good scandalous story. There's, there's few that we do that involve such saucy letters being passed back and forth and fully fledged ad- admission that really? there had been a sexual relationship going on between them and she was very happy to carry that on but then it was like no I need to settle down and marry someone proper I'm sure he won't notice at all but yeah mm. but yes what do you think of the story tell us your thoughts your theories your own interpretations of what the letters might be everyone have a nice erotic letter writing contest and send us in your t- I don't maybe um, I'm backtracking really, here yeah perhaps, perhaps change your mind on that one <laughs> we'll just we'll write a terrible terrible romantic novel that is based on this story this story has inspired many films and books as well because it's a great great story you can imagine it it's made for the cinema but let's write our own version let's write our Absolutely. own version people yeah. but most importantly given that it's New Year's Eve or whenever you listen to it it may be well into 2022 you may be wizened and old and the world may have been taken over by robots but if it has be sure to mix yourself up a chocolarita because I'm sure in a world run by robots tequila will be all over the place we'll you be... have the last supplies <laughs> <laughs> oh you got some sort of kind of smuggler's ring in some sort of Mandalorian style world and people are coming to you like here you have the chocolarita <laughs> no, it can only be drunk by one. <laughs> That's me on top of a hill with a sombrero. So yes, our chocolate recipe will be out this evening. So do knock one up for, for New Year's, wherever you are. It's very, very tasty. If you don't go for the chocolate then let us know what you are drinking. Mm. Yeah, we want to know how you're celebrating your New Year's Eve. We shall be down the pub Way. having having beverages aplenty to ring in 2022. And if everyone just keeps quiet and doesn't disturb it, it might be okay. <laughs> it might not know we're here. <laughs> and if you haven't already, remember to tell your friends about The Poisoner's Cabinet. Get them to come and follow us on social media. Get them to dive into a couple of episodes. Recommend your favourites to them. It's a great way to start the new year and a great way to start a new podcast addiction. Wherever you're celebrating, be safe, be happy, and make sure you have lots of drinks. I don't know where I was going with that. Sometimes I just start a thought and I'm going... Make sure you have a sombrero. Make sure you have lots of fun in a sombrero. Nude. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next year. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you.